What's up, everybody? It's Bo here with another One Piece TV Talk. In fact, we're here with, like, the finale of One Piece TV Talk because I just got done, like, literally moments ago watching the finale episode. Now, I'm going to kind of pull back a little bit and say, full disclosure, I actually just got done re-watching the finale of the episode. I kind of gave this one, like, a twice-over for a number of reasons. One, fantastic finale. Incredible. The other is that, like, so much actually happens in this one episode, it's kind of hard to even... Like keep it all together, and even after a second watch, I'm like, oh my gosh, where do I even, where do I even begin with this? I guess you know we got the big throwdown, right? The fishman versus Luffy. Luffy, you know, we've talked about it throughout this entire podcast and this entire series, but he's just like the opposite of ego. It's like if ego was a person, not a planet, not not the planet ego, but like the concept, right? Like like the concept of ego. If the ego was a person, the antithesis of that would, in and of itself, be Luffy. Like completely goes in, saves a day, down with his friends, trying to like protect Nami, not even protect Nami, or save Nami. You know, we have that very emotional, pseudo campy, but, but emotional moment at the end of last week's episode where he places the hat on top of her and like, you know, kind of brings her full fold into the straw hats. This is juxtaposed with the beginning of this episode where we see young Nami who her being kind of brought into the sawfishes is, is like her as a child being stabbed with the needle as she's getting the uh, the tattoo. It's so brutal and harsh. You know, she's alone. She's chained up. She's being forced to do what she's good at, yes, but not for what she loves. Luffy says that her dreams never got a chance to really manifest because of the fact that she was, you know, basically robbed of a childhood. And we see even as we get to the end of the episode, how childhood really does kind of fill our dreams and kind of fuel our dreams. This juxtaposition, right, of like very kind of serious themes. We've seen like, you know, parents being taken away and child abuse and all of these like awful things happen on this, you know, on this series. But it's being juxtaposed with like very like innocent, childish styles and heart. Luffy is the embodiment of that dichotomy. He is the just ever eternal, happy, optimistic child. And yet when the time comes to throw down, he's ready to go. You know, one of the things I, I, I realized on the second viewing is that we've talked throughout about how Luffy, like it's almost like of all of his gifts, of all of his powers, the one that seems to be the most important is his power to recognize people's dreams. He's driven by that. He's driven by his own dream, but he's also driven by the concept of pushing people towards their dreams and giving them what they need to make it happen. So it's very interesting that when he's kind of brought to this climactic battle with the sawfish dude, shark dude, fish dude, how does he defeat him? It's literally by taking away his dream. It's by destroying the maps, destroying his base, all of this. Like his Along's dream, like his whole thing is that he wants to go and, and take over the world and kind of have the fish people rise up and, and now we're going to rule everything. Which by the way, nice little like, fun fun play on words, right? They, they talk about fishmen, uh, be prepared to rebel borders. And they're actually storming their fortress as opposed to getting onto their ship. However, you think about like fishmen for them, land is the sea. So the concept of a fortress would actually be considered a ship. Kind of kind of a cool thing they did there. But anyway, I thought it was interesting that Luffy's kind of put in this position where he actually literally has to take away the dream of somebody else in order to protect his friends and protect this village and protect others. The fight sequence was over the top and fantastic. You know, the the bickering between Zoro and Sanji was hilarious. You could definitely kind of see the butting heads constantly. I'm digging it. Usopp getting a little bit of action in the mix as well, getting a chance to actually take down one of the like kind of top tier fishmen, and yet nobody's around to see it. So he doesn't get any of the glory that he so desperately craves. 
And Nami, of course, getting the big redemption with her people, with her village. They now know what she has given for up for them, and they appreciate her and welcome her back into the fold. She has a beautiful moment where she says goodbye to her mom, reconnects with her sister, and has completely replaced the tattoo on her arm with a tattoo that presumably was given to her by her sister. It seems to kind of match that same sort of style that she's got. Also, you know, I really loved that, like, the Luffy-Nami relationship over the last couple of episodes, and, and really kind of especially in this one. I feel like a lesser show would have them be, like, romantically entwined. And I, admittedly, I don't know where things are going to go, but I don't get the sense that Luffy... Luffy doesn't ever seem that interested in romantic entanglements. He's got his own kind of thing going on. But regardless of any of that, like, I love the fact that, like, a lesser show would probably make them, like, a couple. Or, like, like build this up like they're in love for each other and they're fighting for each other and yada yada. No, like, the love that we see in this episode on display between these two, and really for the crew as a whole, is really more of, like, a familiar love. Like, a family love, right? Like brought in 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 something very beautifully plutonic and deep for that reason so fantastically done but so like this is kind of getting to the point of like there's so much that happens in this episode right because like there's all of this right there's the whole throwdown with oolong and the swordfish and the fish people and all that right as a big climax except for the fact it's not because this entire time luffy's granddad has been coming after him with you know, Kobe and bowl haircut dude, and they're all coming after him. And then boom, they're here right at the big celebration celebration. By the way, when I was talking about like, like Luffy having no ego, like Usopp is here, like taking all the credit and all the glory, like while the straw hats are watching. And what does Luffy do? Does Luffy be like, no, I'm the captain. What are you talking about? He's like, no, three cheers for captain Usopp. It's a beautiful, brilliant moment. But no, Luffy has to throw down with his granddad. And of course we get the big reveal that all this time, and as they've kind of been slowly revealing, I should say, throughout the series, like Luffy's granddad was just really trying to push him and pressure him and see if he can really handle what it is to go after the One Piece, to be the Pirate King. He was there when the original one was put down, and he doesn't want to see that for his grandson. But at the same time, if that's the direction his grandson is going in, he like in order to quote unquote test him, he brings the full might of the Marines down on him. And Luffy still is able to handle himself. So they part ways on generally good terms, but at the same time with the expectation that perhaps, if not, you know, his granddad, perhaps Kobe and this next generation of Marines will be the ones to ultimately capture and bring Luffy in. I don't know. We'll have to see where it all goes. I did like the Kobe Luffy kind of have like a nice moment at the end to kind of part his ways and kind of similar to how they parted ways in the beginning, but now they have a better understanding of each other. And Kobe's very inspired. He wants to be the kind of Marine that could stand up to a pirate like Luffy. They're charged to each other. Be a good Marine, be a good pirate. It speaks to the reality of there are villains on both sides. You know what I mean? Like there are bad people on both sides. And if we're being honest, probably broadly speaking, the Marines probably are mostly bad. The pirates are mostly bad. Doesn't mean they're all bad, but these are two, you know, organizations that are in direct opposition to one another. And, you know, it's nice to have a few on the Marines that are actually doing the right thing. It's nice to have a few pirates that are actually doing the right thing and kind of bumping the tradition that probably exists within this universe. I could be reading into that, but again, pulling off of basic pirate history, golden age of piracy, there were villains on all sides. And that is just true. Oh yeah, Buggy the Pirate, uh, clown dude, gets his body back, gives him an FU, and then rolls out. One imagines he'll be back next season. They certainly tee that up. They teed up a lot for next season, okay? The, the return of the pink pirate lady from the first episode who... 
I said back then, I still stand by it. She was the weakest part of this entire series. So like, I'm willing to admit that like in the early episodes, it's, you're still kind of getting your bearings. So it'd be interesting to revisit that character now that, especially for me as an audience member, like somebody who, who now has gotten his bearings of like what this universe is might play a little bit differently. I don't know. And perhaps teaming up with Buggy kind of helps to kind of blend the absolute over the topness of all of this uh, and with whatever their plans are. We also got the reveal of this other uh, somebody who likes to smoke two cigars. I don't know who that is. I'm assuming that that is somebody that people are supposed to recognize that know the anime because we weren't given much to go off there. It's like, here's a dude. He's smoking two cigars and apparently he doesn't like Luffy or he's not going to. We'll find out. But of course, in the end, we, we get to see the, the visual of what is essentially the Straw Hats Jolly Roger, the, the logo of the series and everything else plastered on the big uh, mast of the ship. And it looks awesome. Luffy's just ecstatic. They all get together. They talk about their dreams. They all commit to one another that they're going to go and follow their dreams together as they go out and pursue what comes next. So this has really been a great season of television. I'm, I'm really absolutely thrilled with you know this series. I'm, I'm completely shocked by how much I've enjoyed it. I cannot wait for season two. would love to hear your thoughts. You can, of course, write into the show. That's show at tvtalk.fm. And hey, if you're looking for more from me, uh, be sure to check out LokiTVTalk.com. We've got a coverage on this season of Loki uh, that is available to you right now. Uh, it's a brand new podcast, so you go to LokiTVTalk.com. You can find the subscription links there. And uh, yeah, check out our coverage of that, that particular series. If you are interested in pirate content and you haven't done so already, I've got a kind of a three-part mini-series on a couple of actual real-life pirates from actual real-life history that you can find on the Eversale uh, YouTube series. I'll put the link for that in the description as well. I uh, would love for you to check those out if that's something you're interested in. So that's going to do it for me for today, but don't worry. I'll be back in a splash.